This is Robert Jeffers. In response to the horrific attack on Israel, I've written a brand new book called Are We Living in the End Times? Go to ptv.org to order your copy. How many of you actually sincerely ask God every day to provide the food that you need? We just don't do that. I mean, there is poverty in America, but the fact is very few, if any, people have to starve to death in our country. So what does it mean for us today? to follow Jesus' instruction and pray for our daily bread. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. In America, we have been blessed with an overabundance of food. Most of us live within maybe a mile or two of a restaurant or a grocery store. So do we really need to ask God to give us this day our daily bread? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explores our need for God's provisions in our lives. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David. Before we begin a new week of Bible studies together, I'm eager to remind you about one of our best-kept secrets at Pathway to Victory. I'm referring to the magazine we publish on your behalf called Pathway Magazine. I hope you're taking advantage of this full-color publication. It contains a wealth of relevant articles on life issues, devotional material, interviews, and much more. In fact, I'm prepared to send a complimentary edition of Pathway Magazine when you go to ptv.org and follow the simple instructions. Well, we're just getting started in a new series called Prayers That Really Work. And we're already getting tremendous feedback from our listeners because this topic touches a raw nerve for most Christians. Very few people truly enjoy a meaningful prayer life, even our kids. And as a compliment to our daily studies, I'm pleased to offer you a brand new children's book written by my daughter, Julia Jeffress Sadler. This one is for the children and grandchildren in your life, perhaps your nieces and nephews. It's a colorful storybook presented in a manner that kids can understand. Julia's new book is called You Can Pray Big Things. Gratefully, she's written another book on prayer that's for adults, and it's called Pray Big Things. I'd be happy to send you both books, the one for kids and the one for you, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'll say more about Julia's two books and other resources later on. But right now, let's turn our attention to the lesson Jesus gave us on prayer. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6, and I titled this next message in the series, Food for Thought. CNBC aired a documentary about an epidemic that is sweeping across our country. The epidemic is obesity. Obesity is a plague that is destroying our country right now. In fact, we're told in this special that two-thirds of Americans qualify as being obese, and it is no secondary issue. Why in the world, Pastor, are you talking about obesity? I mean, today we're supposed to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. Well, in our study of the Lord's Prayer, we've come to that portion of the prayer in which Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. In the early verses, the emphasis is on thy name, uh, thy kingdom, thy will. Now notice how the emphasis shifts to our needs. Notice the personal pronouns in verses 11 and 12. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We have three basic needs in life. We need provision, our daily bread. We need pardon from sins, that is forgiveness. And we need protection from adversity. And Jesus says there's nothing wrong and everything right with going to your heavenly daddy, your papa, and telling him what your needs are. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this first of three needs every one of us here has this morning, whether you realize it or not. And that is for God's provision in our life. What does it mean to pray for our daily bread? What is he talking about that we're actually praying for? Now, there are some people who over-spiritualize the Bible. Uh, they use the allegorical approach to interpretation. That is, everything in the Bible has a deeper meaning, they say. There's a spiritual meaning behind everything in the Bible. And sometimes they go overboard in that allegorical or uh, spiritualization of the Bible. And some people want to spiritualize what Jesus meant by bread. Oh, he's talking about spiritual uh, substance. He's talking about sustenance that comes from the Word of God. In fact, there's a popular devotion built around that verse, our daily bread. And it's a very helpful devotional. And it is true that there is spiritual nourishment that comes from God's Word. It is true. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> but it's also true, man shall not live without bread. We need physical bread. And I think that's the primary meaning of what Jesus is talking about here. The word bread is used in the Old Testament 296 times. And it usually means not just a loaf of wonder bread. It means uh, all the food that we need. And uh, I think it's true here that Jesus is talking not just about spiritual needs. Basically, he's talking about physical needs. How many of you remember from your psychology classes the name Abraham Maslow? Remember Maslow? Maslow had what he called his hierarchy of needs. And his basic theory was until a man's basic needs are taken care of, he doesn't care about these higher needs. I mean, if he's hungry, he's really not that into self-actualization and spirituality and all of those higher needs. He just wants to be fed. Well, Jesus understood that before Abraham Maslow was ever known. He understood that, yes, we're spiritual beings, but God created us as, as physical beings. And because of that, we have physical needs. And we should never hesitate to go into God's presence and ask Him to take care of our physical needs. He made us that way. We ought to ask Him to care for us. Martin Luther, in commenting on what bread means in this passage, says, everything necessary for the preservation of this life is, quote, bread. This includes food, a healthy body, good weather, a house, a wife, children, good government, and peace. I think that's what Jesus had in mind. When he said, pray for our daily bread, he's saying, God, give me the things I need physically in order to survive. Now, that, of course, leads to a second question. Why should we pray this prayer? Why do we really need to ask God to daily take care of our physical needs when it really doesn't seem we need him to do that? I mean, do you really ask God to give you the food you need for that day? It's very hard to pray this sincerely for some people because most people know that after they get up off their knees asking God to provide for their daily needs, they're the ones who have to go out and earn the bread to buy the bread, don't they? 
I mean, we're the ones who have to work. We're the ones responsible for providing for ourselves and our family. Why are we asking God to do this? I think there are two answers to that. I think Jesus tells us to pray this prayer, first of all, to encourage our dependence upon God. This prayer reminds us of our ultimate dependence upon God. Now, it is true, and I want you to follow me on this. It is true that work is the channel through which God pours his provision into our life. That's always been God's plan, that through our work, we would receive the money, the resources we need to take care of ourselves and our family. In 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul said, if any person does not provide for his own, especially those of his own household, he's worse than an unbeliever and is denied the faith. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul said, this is my rule. If a man does not work, neither shall he eat. What I'm saying is God's method usually of providing for us is through the jobs that he gives us. But now follow me on this. Even though work is the channel through which God pours his blessings in our life, ultimately all of our physical provisions come from the hand of God. He's the one ultimately responsible for meeting all of our physical needs. For example, the Bible teaches that God is the one who provides our food. God's the one who provides it. Listen to Genesis 1, verses 29 to 30. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the surface of all of the earth, and every tree which has fruit-yielding seed, and it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God's the one who gives us food. And aren't you glad he gives us a variety of food to enjoy? I mean, think about it. If God had wanted to, he could have arranged it where we have one food to exist on. One green plant, as the scripture says. Just imagine it was asparagus, okay? That's all that was available out there. So every morning for breakfast, plate full of asparagus. Noon, asparagus. Supper time, asparagus. Bedtime snack, asparagus. Can you imagine living in that kind of world? But God didn't do that, did he? And the Bible says he provided the, 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 the grains and the nuts and the meats and the vegetables, not to mention the popcorn and the ice cream. All of these things are traced from the hand of God. God is the one who provides our food. Secondly, the Bible says God provides our clothing. God's the one who ultimately provides our clothing. That's what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32. Do not worry then, Jesus said, about what we will eat or what shall we drink or what we will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. God provides our clothing ultimately. But some of you are thinking, yeah, 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 pastor. But ultimately, the reason I get my paycheck is because of my ingenuity my creativity, my hard work. That's what puts the bread on the table. Now, in case you're ever tempted to think that, remember, God not only provides your food and clothing, the Bible says he provides our abilities. Look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. Everything you have comes from God. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul asked the Corinthians a very, very probing question. He said, Corinthians, what is it you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In other words, Paul was saying, Corinthians, take an inventory of everything you have in life. 
As you look over that inventory, what is it that cannot ultimately be traced to the hand of God? It all comes from God. I mean, think about it. Even the breath you take in every day to give you the energy to go to work, that breath of life comes from God himself. We are dependent upon God, whether we realize it or not. Even the ability to make money comes from Him. And that's why Jesus said, praying for your daily needs is a way to remind yourself of your need, your dependence upon God. Secondly, Jesus taught us to pray this prayer because this prayer discourages materialism. It encourages dependence upon God, but at the same time, it discourages materialism. When Jesus taught us to pray for our needs, he didn't say, give us this day our daily T-bone steak to consume. He didn't say, give us this day our new BMW to drive. Instead, he said, give us this day our daily bread. In Philippians 4 verse 19, Paul said, and my God shall supply your what? All of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It didn't say, my God shall satisfy all of your greed. Instead, he will satisfy all of your needs. The Bible says when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it's just a way to remind us not only that we depend upon God, but also to remind us that the goal in life is not the accumulation of assets. It's like Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 8, if we have food and covering, with these things we should be satisfied. Now, we've talked about what God means when he says our daily bread. He's talking about all of our physical provisions. Why do we pray this prayer? It reminds us of our dependence upon God. It discourages materialism. But the most basic question that came to my mind when I read this verse is one that most of us are afraid to voice out loud. We don't want to be struck by a lightning bolt. But it's a question most all of us have. And that's the question, can I really trust God to meet my physical needs? Can I really depend upon God to treat my physical needs? Why would anybody ask that? The answer is obvious. When you look around the world and see that hundreds of millions of people are going to bed hungry every night, the children around the world are starving to death, isn't it natural to ask the question, God, how can I really depend upon you to take care of me when you're doing such a poor job of taking care of other people? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, that's what I wondered when I read this verse. God, how can I be sure you're going to take care of my physical needs when you're letting people starve to death around the world? I think there are really two answers to that question, two insights from Scripture. First of all, we need to understand that unbelievers do not have the guarantee of God's provision. Unbelievers do not have a guarantee of God's care and provision in their life. I know that's politically incorrect to say, but it's the truth of God's Word. There is no promise anywhere in Scripture when God says, I'm going to take care of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. Never did God promise that. He only promises to take care of the righteous. Listen to Psalm 33, verses 18 and 19. David said, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear Him, upon those whose hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in time of famine. Who does God listen to? Who does God care for? Those who are the righteous. The unrighteous have no guarantee of God's protection. In fact, look through the Bible. You'll find in the Old Testament, God used famine many times to bring his judgment upon people. 
In the future, during the tribulation, God will use famine to bring his judgment upon unbelievers. It shouldn't be surprising that God would use famine today, not only uh, in a passive way, but as an active way as a source of his judgment. John MacArthur makes an interesting insight. He says that a nation's spirituality many times determines its level of prosperity. Wherever there are Christian principles, and a nation like ours founded on Christian principles, there is always a high view of human life. And because we have a high view of human life in our country, we take care of people's physical needs. But you go to third world countries, uh, there isn't a high view of life. Many times the country's lack of spirituality or their worship of false religions leads to a low view of human life. And many times, famine is a judgment of God upon the earth. How do you answer the question of uh, how can we trust God when there's so much poverty and so much hunger in the world? Well, one insight is God never promised to take care of everybody in the world. He certainly never promised to take care of unbelievers. But there's a second part of that, and that is believers, people who are related to God through Jesus Christ, do have the promise that God will meet their need. Listen to Psalm 34, verses 9 to 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The animals go hungry, but they who fear the Lord are not going to lack any good thing. Or listen to David's words in Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. David said at the end of his life, as I look back, I cannot one time say I have ever seen a righteous person who has suffered any need. Now, when I read that this week, you know what my first thought was? I want to tell you how unholy your pastor is. My first thought was, when I heard David say, I have never seen any righteous person lack any good thing, my first thought was, David, you need to get out of the palace more often. <laughs> you need to see life as it really is. You need to take those uh, uh, kingly blinders off of your eyes. Go out and walk with the common people, and you'll see many believers, many righteous people who suffer need. Hasn't that been the testimony of history? That there have been Christians who have suffered great need. There are Christians right now around the world who are suffering great need. Listen to this description of how the first century believers lived from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 36 and 37. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. And yet David said, those who seek the Lord shall never be in want. How do you reconcile those two truths? God said, I'm going to meet the needs of every true believer. And yet we look around and see believers suffering want. I think one writer said it best when he observed this promise applies to every Christian for as long as God has him on this earth. God will take care of your need, not your greeds, but your need as long as you are here upon the earth. But when God is ready to take you from this world to the next world, 
He might use any number of means to transport you from this life into the next life. You know, the Bible says this perishable body has to put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. In other words, death is a necessary transition from this life into the next life. And God many times uses different vehicles to carry us into the next world. Sometimes he uses illness. Sometimes he uses what we call an accident. Sometimes he might even use physical needs and hunger and even starvation to bring us into his presence. In January of 1852, the lifeless body of a man named Alan Gardner, a missionary in England, was found in a shipwreck off of uh, Tierra del Fuego. Alan Gardner and his team had been on a mission journey when they were shipwrecked, and they waited there on that island for a rescue team. They waited weeks upon weeks, and as they were waiting for the rescue team, they watched their rations of water and food slowly diminish. During that time of starvation, Alan Gardner kept a spiritual journal, which the rescue team discovered once they came too late. And in that journal, Alan Gardner wrote what God was doing in his life during those times of dehydration and starvation. In one journal entry, he said that his thirst had become almost intolerable. Alan Gardner and his team died on that island, alone, isolated, physically broken. And yet, throughout that ordeal, their faith in God remained strong. A later entry in that journal, Alan Gardner, with his own hands, wrote out the verse that we read just a moment ago, Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10. Now listen, here's the words of a man who is starving to death on an island. He wrote, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. The last entry in his journal were these words. I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. Isn't that amazing? Starving to death, I am overwhelmed by a sense of the goodness of God. God promises to take care of every need you have until he's ready to take you from this life unto the next one. But until that time, his provision is certain. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, Do you think that the God who names the stars and calls them by name, do you think that God is about to forget one of his own children? God knows your case as thoroughly as if you were the only creature he ever made and the only saint he ever loved. God will take care of you. Our Heavenly Father has been so gracious to supply our every need. And it was Jesus who taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, just before I turn things back over to David, let me ask you a question. Have you been privately harboring a dream or desire and holding that little secret from God? Maybe he's nudging you in a certain direction. And rather than bring it before him, you've been suppressing what may be his deepest longing for you. Well, that's what happened to my daughter, Julia Jeffrey Sadler. And gratefully, she knew how to bring her deepest longings to God in prayer. She's written all about her experience and God's answers in a wonderful new book called Pray Big Things, the surprising life God has for you when you're bold enough to ask. As the mother of triplets, our grandchildren, Julia was moved to write a second book on prayer. 
and this one is purposefully written for your children and grandchildren. It's never too early to begin teaching the next generation how to talk with God. Julia's creative and fully illustrated book gives you a practical tool for sitting down and guiding your child. The new book is called You Can Pray Big Things. Both of Julia's books on prayer, the one for adults and the one for your children and grandchildren, are yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Thank you for giving generously. I can assure you that your gift, no matter its size, is truly making an impact. Lives are becoming transformed, and it's because of the faithful and generous support of grateful listeners just like you. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request a copy of Julia Jeffress Sadler's brand new children's book, You Can Pray Big Things. Plus, you'll also receive Julia's best-selling book for adults, Pray Big Things. To request these two books, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you this month's teaching series, Prayers That Really Work, on both CD and DVD. Perfect for watching at home or listening in your car. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd prefer to write, here's our mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Most people pray for things like health, safety, and daily provision. And while none of these are bad requests, there's another need that's even greater. Hear about the importance of forgiveness. That's Thursday on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Even though we don't know the date when Jesus will return, we need to have our finger on the pulse of what's happening today. So, in response to the war in Israel, Dr. Robert Jeffress has written a brand new book. It's called, Are We Living in the End Times? In light of increasing chaos, division, and warfare in our world, this really is a fair question. Request your copy of Are We Living in the End Times by going to ptv.org. 